You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome into episode 147 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR Podcast Network. The Sources Say Podcast is presented by our good friends at Justice Dental. You can make an appointment at one of two Lexington locations. That's on Wellington Way and Blazer Parkway. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Remember, that regular dental appointments are important for your overall health. You can learn more and make an appointment at justicedental.com. Dr. Justice and Dr. Thompson look forward to seeing you soon. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by the one and only Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? I'm fantastic, Jack. How are you? Oh, I'm just better by the second, especially considering Kentucky has now moved to 18-4 and four on the year following another, uh, I, I guess we can call it strong performance, and we'll get into the nitty-gritty uh, of what that means and how how we got to this point. But they defeat the Vanderbilt Commodores 77-70 to at Rupp Arena on Wednesday night. Uh, Sean, it was, a, uh, it was a rock fight. Kentucky opens as a 16-point favorite. Uh, they lead by as many as 16 in the first half. Things are going pretty solid, I guess, going to that final TV timeout in that first half. And then the whole second half is a rock fight. They cut it back down to one point in the first TV timeout about five minutes into that, uh, that second half. They cut it down to one. And then it's just kind of a back and forth. Uh, Kentucky trying to go on a run of its own, extend the lead, get, uh, you know, try to push that thing out as much as possible. They get it back to as many as 12, I believe with four minutes to go, uh, but they only end up winning by seven points. Really uh, kind of an ugly physical rock fight. Like we talked about a lot of foul calls and, and video monitor reviews. And it just, it, it felt like the game took forever. Sean, uh, I know that you had a busy night. It was a uh, it was a big night for you in terms of your own coaching career and all that. So uh, we'll kind of open with that, and then we'll we'll go straight into uh, early takeaways from the performance. Yeah, we our season's over down here. We we came up short. Uh, we're very competitive though, and got to the elite eight. Had a shot at getting to the final four. Second straight year we've we've come up short in that. But the difference is this time around is I've got five of my top seven players coming back next year and uh, it's going to be going to make a run at it again next season but we had a chance we were competitive uh but back-to-back district championships i think uh, we finished this year around 19 and 6 last year we were 19 and 1 so two really good years to start and uh, looking forward to another year next year but 
yeah, Kentucky got a Kentucky got a win last night, Jack, and I think that's the biggest takeaway again for me. They they're, they had to do that a couple of times. I know it wasn't as pretty as that that we would have liked it, but I think 20, 28 fouls called combined in the second half kind of really <laughs> made that an ugly game to watch. I watched the first half today on replay, and then the second half I kind of just was like, all right, what do I want to see from this? And I'd fast forward <laughs> here and there because I was like, I'm going to be here a while if I keep watching this whole thing. But no, you had t- – to me, the strength of this team is the multiple guys that can beat you on any given night. And they showed it again last night. Keon Brooks gets to 20. I thought it was a quiet 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know he, t- he took 15 shots, uh, six of eight from the free throw line. Uh, not many times you're going to see Keon Brooks lead the team in shot attempts. But then you look and you see, you know, Oscar, is it, I mean, is it fair to say a, a really quiet 11 and 17? Yeah. But even though that they tried to keep him off the glass, he still got to 17 rebounds. But Davion Mintz is the story, right? Uh, coming out of that slump, I think he was four of 19 over the last three games, didn't score a point at Kansas. He goes for a career, career high tying 21, four, seven from three, five of five at the line. So many different guys can beat you. Like if if like I keep saying, if if they lose one guy, it makes them so much less than what they would be at full strength. And that's why the the biggest thing with this team is just staying healthy because they have so many different dudes that can beat you, but they need all of them. Yeah, and I I do kind of want to start this show by talking about Davion Mintz and the uh, the kind of story behind the story. Uh, you know, we all saw the twenty one point performance. Six of 11 shooting, four, seven from three, the big shots, how hard he played, how hard he fought. You know, it it was a typical uh, Davion at his best performance. But Sean, Davion stole the absolute show after the game ended during his postgame press conference. He was asked about, you you know, he was coming off a a goose egg in, in Lawrence. He didn't play well. He knew he didn't play well. Uh, you know, and, and I guess it's kind of hard for a dude that, that knows how good he is personally knows what he brings to the table to see the rest of your teammates thrive as well as they do. And and not to say he was upset and, you know, not, you know, down on, on everything in the team, you know, after that win, but there's something to be said about, Oh, so they just beat the number five team in the country on the road by almost 20 points, 18 points. And they didn't even need me. So there's that kind of mindset where, yeah, of course you're proud of your team and you're happy that they were able to do what they did. But uh, he admitted that, yeah, he was kind of a little, uh, a little down on himself that he wasn't able to provide more and kind of be a part of that joyous experience that they they all uh, witnessed together out in Lawrence. And Shawnee tells this story of how he goes out into the uh, out, you know, outside the locker room, kind of in the tunnel after the game. And this 16-year-old girl comes up to him and is just breaking down in tears and says, Davion, you're my favorite player. I love you. I I never thought I'd ever get the opportunity to meet you. Uh, I just want you to know what you mean to me and what your your fight means to me and what your spirit, you have a winning spirit. And I, I hope uh, I hope you realize what, the, what you mean to this fan base. And, and Davion almost got emotional telling the story where he was like, man, you know, there are some times that you just kind of take a step back and think, you know, all, I'm, I'm just playing basketball. Nobody cares about what I'm doing. They're just here because they enjoy watching the sport. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. But he said that moment where that that little girl 
came up to me and was just so emotional uh, about meeting me and, and, and how bad she wanted and what, what I meant to her life. She was like, he was like that, that inspired me. It inspired me to get into the gym. It inspired me to get shots up late and, and know that there's more out there than just myself and that I can be more uh, for this team that I showed out in Kansas. And of course he goes out immediately and scores 21 points. And the story uh, Tyler Thompson wrote the full breakdown. We got to interview or she got to interview uh, this, this girl McKenna Lunsford out in Kansas. And, and it was just an amazing story, the back and forth Uh, at the end of it. She asked Davion to go to prom with her and Davion later responded back and said, uh, yes, I, I absolutely will. Just tell me what color you want me to wear. And, uh, and then I, I can tell you guys now uh, on on the air that they've been talking on Instagram back and forth about setting up and, and how uh, this this prom date's going to happen, that this is happening. So it, it just an unbelievable story, Sean, from start to finish, the buildup, how we got to this point that, yeah, Davion looked amazing on the surface level and, and 21 points, career high, tied for a career high, amazing performance by him. But Everything that we got after the fact, Sean, was just so freaking impressive. And uh, it, it's it's it just kind of it's a testament to what this team means to everybody and just how likable they are. Because one day Oscar Sheboy does something that makes everybody fall in love with him. Then the next day it's Kellen Grady being granddad. And the next day it's, you know, Ty Ty Washington, and how hard he fights and, and, you know, his toughness. And now it's Davion Mint. So just, man, what a team that we're watching right now, Sean. Yeah, just these are the stories that we missed out on last year, right? Because they didn't get those interactions with the fans. And and there's no way that they would have been allowed to have that interaction a year ago. But you you have a fan living in Kansas. She's hoping to meet the team. She's hoping to meet Davion Mintz. It comes true. It it comes true after a game where he didn't play a ton. He didn't play a lot in at Allen Fieldhouse. He didn't have a single point. And uh, I thought that was a really cool story. I went back and watched the the post-game Zoom last night. I read the transcript. And to see him tell that story, I went to bed last night, and I'm thinking, okay, we've got this side of the story. Now I just hope that we get the other side of it as well. And, you know, Tyler, excellent job this morning. I know her mother replied to to my story this morning with the picture that they took, of, that took together at Kansas. And then I noticed on your all's, Facebook page the she did the exact same thing. So a really good job by Tyler on that story. And then you got to see the zoom video and immense replies. And it's just, uh, these guys are getting to see and experience what Kentucky basketball is all about. And, and you got like a minute ago, like for Davion last night, he was talking about how sometimes he thinks it's just basketball, but then you have that experience and you see that, and it's not just people in the state. It's people that are Kentucky fans everywhere that they care. They they live this. They they live through these people. They these people are superheroes to a lot of people. And if you don't get to see that, like these guys didn't get to see and feel that last year, it's hard to you can't simulate it. But when you experience it and you see the love and the passion that these people have for not just the university and the team, but the individuals that are on it, it, it kind of makes you want to go that extra mile for them. And that's where last year's group got cheated. They they really didn't have anything to fight for because they didn't really know what they were fighting for. This group is getting to experience it. And every time they take the floor, they're like, all right, I'm, I'm playing for that child in so-and-so state or county of Kentucky, or I'm playing for this person that I met that's battling with this. And uh, it really lets you know why you're wearing that jersey and there's just something bigger than basketball to it. 
Yeah, and, and you talked to Davion, and I remember we had Davion on KSR when we hosted the show for the first time, and, and we and it was right after he announced that he was coming back, and we asked him, you know, you got those moments at Rupp Arena this past year where, you know, he would hit the game winner in the left corner. I think it was against Vandy when he hit, hit that shot. And it was, you know, 2,500 fans in the stands, 3,000 at most, just not uh, like, yeah, they, they erupted for him. But how big was the eruption? How big could that er- eruption be given that moment? It, it was nothing. And, and, you know, those runs where he would go on where he hit three, four, five threes in a row. And we just talked and we were like, you know, are, are you waiting for that moment? Did Was that part of the reason, uh, part of the draw for you to come back where you could get moments like that with the actual experience that was kind of ripped from you, that was stolen from you this past season? Are, like, it's almost a, a do over with, yeah, if, if he could just emulate just go back and hit reset play the exact same season how he played the amount of points he scored the role he had all those things if he could go back and do all of those same things with the crowd the way it is now and some of the restrictions lifted like we saw last night uh, is that why is that what this is for and we and he flat out said yeah I want to come back and I want my last year of college to be one for the for the you know that I'll remember for the rest of my life I want it to be one that uh, you know, people remember me for a long time. I want to make an impact on this program. And, you know, he said all the right things back then, but goodness gracious, Sean, for it to unfold the way it has. And, you know, he goes through his early illness and, and he struggles so bad to, to come back from that, finds his groove again, and, and really starts turning into form the player that we thought he could be, then hits another cold streak again. And then his worst game of the year was at zero point performance at Kansas. And you start thinking, Man, is he just kind of going to be one of those secondary role players that you could kind of hope he just gets hot every once in a while? And, you know, maybe he gets hot in March. Maybe he gets hot in the SEC tournament for one game. You know, how, what is his role going to be to close out the season? And then, sure enough, he goes right back out there and, and hits a career high. So, Man, just an awesome, awesome inspirational story. Talked about uh, the girl played soccer and uh, tore both labrums in her hips and and had to have them surgically repaired. Uh, hip flexors released, and uh, she talked about how that was kind of an you know she saw the adversity he went through with the illness and uh, you know going through COVID last year and and said you know I, I saw me fighting back from my injury. I could kind of see uh, that same fight as as he's trying to come back from his illness and and. Uh, you know, kind of adjust to his role this season, those type of things. And just said, he honestly is a fighter. I see me, I see him in me and I see a piece of me, honestly, in him. He's a light that I can kind of look up at, look up to and see that. So it's just, man, what an awesome story. Uh, very well done by Tyler as always. And and just good on Davion for, you know, doing, doing what he does and just another fan favorite for this program. So let's keep on rolling through some of these other, uh, storylines. We talked a little bit about Keon Brooks back-to-back 20 point games for the first time in his career leading up to these last two games, Sean, he had only had 20 points twice in three whole, three whole seasons at Kentucky. And now back-to-back uh, games of 20 plus points, career high 27 at Kansas. And then follows it up uh, with 20 uh, against Vanderbilt on, on Wednesday night. And he had a really slow start, Sean, and, and Cal kind of called him out a little bit after the game and said, you know, he wasn't giving his all on the glass, and he was kind of reverting back to what he was before, said he might have uh, kind of 
gotten a little bit of that rat poison that Kyle was talking about and, and what they needed to de- desperately avoid. Then comes on strong in that second half. I believe he finished, uh, he hit five of eight shots in the second half, 13 points. Uh, just awesome second half performance that really, and again, what we talked about on this last show uh, is career high. He isn't doing anything that is just otherworldly, something that that he just has never proven he could do in the past. And this is kind of what's been so frustrating about Keon. He has always been capable of these type of performances, Sean. He just hasn't showed it. it he he's he's kind of stayed out floating on the perimeter, jacking up, you know, 17, 18 footers. And, and just kind of that's been his game. But he's starting to attack the basket. He's starting to draw fouls now. And he's still knocking down his mid-range jump shot, jump shots, but he's doing so much more to contribute for this team. And when he's attacking on the glass as well, uh, I mean, he's a really, really strong contributor on this team. And again, 20-point performance, back-to-back 20-point games. Uh, I mean, it's, it really kind of feels like he's starting to find that groove and something clicked for him. And the the one position we talked about all season long is need as that must-need, you know, must improve position what are you going to get out of that four spot it feels like we're starting to get that player to emerge uh, in Keon Brooks yeah and it to me it's about being consistent and stringing together multiple games and I know that he had that slow start last night in the first half but he he got to 20 ended up being an efficient 20 he shot 46.7 percent from the field six of eight at the line had four rebounds two assists a block played 33 minutes so you're seeing those minutes start to go up he had a stretch there um early january he played 14 at lsu he played 23 against vandy 23 against tennessee 17 against a&m and then 23 against auburn but the last three games i know overtime mississippi state played in that but he had 30 minutes and then 29 at kansas and then 33 against vandy so those minutes are starting to go up because he's producing you know three straight double figure games he had 12 and six against Mississippi State a week ago, 27 and 8, and then 20 and 4. I mean, that's that's really good if that's what you get from him. And I, I think that's the biggest thing for him is to continue building that confidence, doing it for consistent games and, and across the board. And if he does what he does and then you get a performance like that for Mintz, like if, if, you told, if you told a lot of people that Xavier was not going to hit a shot, and Tata was going to finish with what he did, and then Oscar was going to be pretty quiet offensively, a lot of people probably would have thought that Kentucky loses a game, even if it's to Vandy at Rupp Arena. But then when you see that two different dudes go for 20-plus that aren't their guys that usually go for that, it just shows the strength of this team. And I just think that they're so hard to beat because even when other guys are going to have that night off offensively, someone's going to pick up the slack. And now that is, what, six guys that have scored 20 points in a yep. game this season, I believe? Yep. I mean, how, how do you how do you prepare <laughs> for that? Well, I mean, the guy a- had zero points at Kansas in an 18-point road win. <laughs> and then he comes back and he has 21. <laughs> and it's not that anything was different. It's just the way that the game flows. It's, it's so hard to prepare to, de- to defend this team. Well, that's, that's exactly what Chin Coleman, uh, he brought up. During the pre pre Vandy press conference, uh, he was talking about uh, you know somebody asked him so you know what what do you do for something like that you know when, when you have so many offensive weapons uh, you, you know how do you uh, you know how do you adjust to that how do you uh, d- defend that you know all those things and and I'm trying to pull up the quote right now uh, but he 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 talked about okay I got it he said. Uh, 
we hope it's a big challenge because they were like, you know, uh, Jerry Stackhouse talked about the challenge of going up against a team with so many uh, offensive threats. Uh, and he said, yeah, we hope it's a challenge. We hope that they have nightmares before they play against us with the fact that we have so many guys that are capable uh, of scoring and it's hard to scout against us. Most teams, you can put a few guys on top of the scouting report and then uh, you can worry about the relevant guys and try to keep the irrelevant guys irrelevant. Hopefully for us, because we have so many guys that are capable of impacting a game, it's tough for teams. You want to be a team that is hard to scout, a team that is hard to guard and, and hard to take away this guy, that guy. And I, I mean, he he said it perfectly. This is a nightmare for opposing teams. Sean, you're a coach. Imagine a group like this where there are six players that have now scored 20 points on the year. And b- beyond that, uh, Jacob Toppin scored 14 points at one point. Damian Collins has scored 14 points. Uh, Dante Allen, I believe, has scored at least 12, I believe. So you have, Sean, nine different players on the team that have scored at least 12 points, uh, six being 20-plus points. I, I mean, what what do you do if you're an opposing coach and you have to go against that on any given night? It's just you, you can't look at this, at this roster and go, all right, well, uh, it, we're going to take out Ty Ty Washington, we're going to take out Kellen Grady as a shooter, and we're going to stop. Uh, Oscar Sheboy uh, getting from getting his point to- total, and then you have Davion Mintz and uh, shoot Savio Wheeler go out and go for fifteen plus twenty plus, uh, and then you'll have a game where Jacob Toppin goes crazy, and then you'll have a game where Ke- uh, Keon Brooks goes for a career high. There's just no way that you can look at this roster and go, ah, there's a recipe to stop them, and that's why I think there's so much optimism that this team can make a run in March. There is because there's just consistency across the board that someone's going to show up. It's not been the same person every single night. I mean, go back. So let's go back to that Notre Dame game. And that's to me, that's the real, that's the last real loss that you can kind of credit to this team because we still have those unknowns, right? Like if uh, Ty Ty doesn't get hurt at Auburn, does Kentucky win? I think they had a really good shot. I think Kentucky definitely wins if they're at full strength at LSU. So the last loss that we know at full strength was Notre Dame. So in that stretch, you've had the performance of Savir versus North Carolina. You've had Oscar's performance at Vandy. You've had the the 28 rebound game. You've had Keon going off at Kansas. You've had Tata's career 17 or 17 assists, uh, the the school record for a single game. You've had Kellen Grady going crazy. You've had the beatdown of Tennessee, the beatdown of Kansas, like Mintz going off last night. All that's happened since they started playing their best basketball. And when you talk about how do you stop it, I don't really know anyone's really showed that they could. It's just they kind of got, you know, let off the hook by a couple of injuries. You take out what happened at Auburn LSU, who who knows? Maybe this team is on a heater right now and hasn't lost since Notre Dame. Like, we don't – I don't know if anyone can truly actually stop it because at full strength, no one has since Notre Dame. But in that day, Kentucky stopped itself. We've not seen someone actually be able to stop them when they're at full strength yet. Yeah, and you look at the advanced numbers, and and we talk about this on every show now to kind of continue to gauge, uh, you know, the, the progression of this team and where they project long term. Sean, they are still number three. They they briefly moved up to number two. Uh, in the the updated Ken Palm rankings, uh, but they are holding firm at number three in the latest Ken Palm, number four in the adjusted offensive rankings, uh, and number 19 in the adjusted defense. They are the only four-loss team in the top seven 
Villanova is there. They have six losses. Um, outside of that, th- those two are the only two teams with at least four losses in that top 10. Then Texas Tech is there at 11. But, I mean, Kentucky, it, it feels like the advanced numbers are showing the real story or telling the real story, uh, even if the, even though there's four losses technically on the schedule, they're playing like a two-loss team, and, and that's that's what is being shown in these uh, these advanced numbers. And you look at the latest, you know, net ratings and and all the every advanced number and statistic and and you know analytical service. Every single one still projects this team as a top five ish, top seven ish team in college basketball, and and even the AP voters have now moved them up to number five. So I think that they're finally starting to round into form, uh, at least from a national perspective. Uh, that that team that that the national media, the you know selection committee, these type of guys genuinely think that this team can make a legitimate final four run in March, not just a, Oh, they can make some noise. Maybe the second weekend, maybe sweet 16 elite eight. No, this is a team that can make a run of the final four. Uh, and the numbers are, are clearly backing that up in their worst game. They're still beating Vanderbilt by, by seven points. And that's, that's the worst we've seen them play in a long time. And they led that game by as many as led them by as many as 16 points in the first half. So, even still, they were doing a lot of stuff right in in the heat of the uh, of the battle. Even if things didn't end the way that we kind of hope they did, just the numbers are telling a story, Sean. This is an elite basketball team. It is, and I know John Rothstein, I believe, was the latest of those national guys. Uh, a guy that we had on uh, Kentucky Sports Radio this summer when you and I hosted it. He said last night, Kentucky's good enough, good enough to win the whole darn thing. So you're starting to see those guys come around. You saw them shoot up in Jeff Goodman's. Uh, top 25, uh, CBS Sports top 25 and one. Gary Parrish had them at number three going into the week. Like the national people, you and I talked about this last week. They had to beat Auburn or Kansas to kind of get that national, you know, attention and everybody kind of buy in. And as soon as that happened, I know Lenardi kept them on the three seed line after Kansas, but by the time they played last night, they were on the two seed line and had elevated all the way up to, I think, what, the seventh overall seed, I believe. Yes. The yeah. last time I've looked. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this this team is good enough to win the, the whole thing. Everybody is starting to take notice of it. They're on a really good winning streak right now or a streak of really good play. I know Auburn was a loss, but like I said, full strength loss. You have to go all the way back to December 11th. That's, you can't take away those losses in conference play. But to fans, it kind of feels like they haven't lost in a long time because they, we, you kind of can say, well, they weren't at full strength. Uh, the game plan was the same thing right, last night, right? I, t- I said going into Vandy a couple weeks ago, let Scotty Pippen Jr. get his. You just can't let somebody else go off. Well, Scotty Pippen Jr. has scored 65 points against Kentucky in those two games, and he has two losses to show for. 32 in the game at Memorial Gymnasium, 33 last night at Rupp Arena. Great player, but Kentucky kind of holds everyone else where they need to be and then does just enough to win the game. And uh, I think that's what's impressive is you – this one felt like it could have been a trap game where last week leading up to Kansas, the Mississippi State game, wasn't. Uh, you had a really good game against Kansas. You're dominant. Everybody starts talking about you. would have been easy to come into Rupp Arena and, and find a way to lose this one, especially when uh, you get the whistles and stuff in the second half, the flow they never could establish. Uh, you had some technical fouls. You had some flagrant fouls. But they got a win. And now they they can look and they enter a really big stretch beginning with Alabama on Saturday. It's going to be another dogfight down there. 
Well, and, and I think that tells the story of just how resilient this team is and, and why they're such a, a why they're such high hopes for a, a long you know, long run, deep run in, in March is you talk to the players after the game. And, and I think the first question John Calipari got was, you know, you talked about that rat poison. Uh, how did they adjust to that? You know, do you do you think they bought into some of that noise? And he said, yeah, you know, maybe I think they might have just a little bit. And then you talk to Davion Mintz and Keon Brooks. They both acknowledge that. Yeah, you you read the the John Rothstein uh, quotes about why uh, Kentucky is is capable of winning a title. You read that stuff. You hear that buzz. You 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 acknowledge all that stuff. I think Davion Mintz said exactly like, yeah, we we see it, and yeah, it's hard to not kind of get a little bit excited about it because all the work that we've put in all summer long, all fall, uh, you know, all that early work to build up to this point, we're starting to get the recognition that we thought we were. Uh, I think his exact quote was Davion was we have a special team. We know we have a special team. We just have to make sure we stay humble. Uh, and so uh, I think even at their worst, the, this was a trap game. I do think that they saw this as kind of a, uh, you know, looking ahead. Yeah. We know that if you stop, Scotty Pippen or even let him do whatever he wants. You know, there's nobody else on the team that's going to stop him. Uh, you know, let's kind of keep moving forward. We have another big game against Alabama at Alabama on Saturday. Let's just get past this one and, and move forward. Even with that mindset, and I, it's not excusing it. I don't think that uh, they, they this was a team that they could have beaten by 25 plus points. And I, I it's frustrating that they weren't able to. But even in that trap game mindset, they still won by seven points and acknowledged after the fact yeah, we, we need to hit reset. We need to get humble again and, and understand that we have a lot more work to take care of before we, you know, we haven't, we haven't achieved anything yet this season. They acknowledge that immediately after the fact. They didn't wait two, three, four games. Immediately after the fact, they said, yeah, we got to hit reset and, and get back to being our humble selves and all that. I think that was a great sign moving forward and a, a definitely a, a huge sign going into Kentucky's trip to Tuscaloosa because I do think uh, they are the most bipolar team in in college basketball. They they play up to their competition. I know Auburn was a bad example because Auburn just kind of steamrolling everybody right now, and they they were hanging out there for a while. Ten ish minutes left, they cut it down to two points. Um, but goodness gracious, uh, they all, Alabama plays up to their competition and down to the competition. I know that they're gonna. Uh, give Kentucky its best effort on Saturday. And I think Kentucky is going to be prepared for that battle, Sean. Yeah, it's I'm looking forward to it, though, because, you know, Alabama is going to be fired up and, and Auburn's their rival. But something tells me that they're going to be more hopped for this one than they were the game against Auburn, uh, just because it's Kentucky. Like Cal says, it's everyone's Super Bowl. This is another test for Kentucky to go on the road and just show while they're a strong contender to get to a final four and win the national championship. Uh, Alabama has been really good against really good competition. Not so good against some of that, you know, underwhelming competition. Kentucky fits the billing of all these games. Alabama's played well in the Gonzaga's the Houston's uh, and, and those matchups. They're going to get Alabama's best shot. It's going to be a talented Alabama team, but Kentucky's been through so much to this point that it feels like a chance in conference play now to go on the road, be complete and beat a really good basketball team. And it's, it's a primetime game Saturday night. Yeah. And I, I do, as we slowly uh, wrap this, this show up, I guess quickly wrap, wrap this show up. Cause we got through all the main uh, points moving forward, but I, I do want to address the elephant in the room. The thing that 
everybody was talking about pregame and the idea that that uh, if Shaden Sharp was going to play this season, it was going to be against Vanderbilt. Uh, and that was kind of the last opportunity for, for Sharp to play this year. And, uh, you know, now that he's not, we're never going to see him in a Kentucky uniform. All these big hot takes uh, coming out from the woodwork. We've, it, we've seen it all. It, fans are, are just kind of unloading after the fact. So I do want to talk about before the game, the buildup uh, behind it. They talk whether he was going to play, whether he was not going to play Sean. Um, there was some stuff going on behind the scenes, and we talked a little bit before the show started. Uh, I put out there, I tweeted earlier in the day, uh, I had talked to somebody that was at practice and, and um, saw how things unfolded, and I asked, I, I reached out and I said, you know, did it? In, was there anything to indicate that Shaden was going to play uh, against Vanderbilt? Did they incorporate him into the five on five and, and, you know, start running some plays for him. Cal said when they decide to ultimately play him, uh, if they decide to ultimately play the play him, they're going to run some, uh, so, uh, you know, two or three specific sets for him to create open shots for him and, and just do what he's good at. Just create a shot and, and score the basketball. That's all they're going to do for him. They're not going to, they're going to oversimplify things and keep it as, as minimal as possible for him. Should he decide to play? So I knew that if the, if he was going to play, they were at least going to you know incorporate him in the walkthrough and, and you know probably go through a couple things. It'd be pretty obvious to know if he was going to play or not. So I reached out, uh, and apparently there was nothing to indicate that Shaden Sharp was had any intention of playing against Vanderbilt. And I tweeted that I heard that he was off to the side shooting. He was dunking, you know, dunking and uh, shooting by himself, kind of doing his own thing, hanging out after practice while the uh, the rest of the team was you know really involved in the the walkthrough and the shoot around and the, you know, the five on five kind of preparing for Vandy. Uh, he was not overly involved with that at all. And the, the, the people I talked to that were actually there said, no, nothing I saw indicated anything different than what we've seen recently that would indicate that this kid is going to play tonight. He did not look like a kid that was about to play. And I know that there was some stuff that happened before the game and some, the, if you listen to the KSR pre pregame show, there was a lot of talk that, you know, Ryan was goofing off and said something like, yep, 99% chance he plays. If you actually heard the show and understood the context behind it, you know that he wasn't serious. He heard it from a guy eating chicken wings, a couple seats away that was said he, he was sat, sat behind the UK bench after, uh, during the Mississippi state game. And he thought he heard Cal say uh, that if, Kentucky kept their foot on the gas and, and had a blowout lead that Shaden was going to play. And that was his basis behind the whole 99% thing, uh, whether that he was going to play uh, against Vanderbilt. So if you paid attention leading up to it and didn't just read, read on Twitter, uh, uh, that one individual quote, you know, that there really was not a great chance that Shaden was going to play Sean. And I don't, I don't know if he's going to play this year. I don't. I, I genuinely don't. I still haven't heard anything different that would indicate that he's going to leave early. Everything I've heard and who I've talked to, people close to Shaden say he's uh, in no rush to play, but he is going to come back for next season. Uh, and that's all I have to go off of it. So I guess my question for you, Sean, is now that this Vanderbilt game is over, the Mississippi State game is over, we're now deep in this the, the crunch time zone of if he's going to play, if he's not going to play now is probably the time to do it. I don't know if at Alabama is the time to do it, but is there a, a an opening for Shaden if they decide to ultimately do it that you think, ah, there's the game left on the schedule, especially knowing now that Vanderbilt, it, it was not that 
was not that game for Cal. I was actually just looking at the schedule when you were uh, going through all that. And it, it to me, it's hard to believe that there's only nine regular season games remaining. Isn't it? Gosh, it's and, crazy. And I don't know. I'm starting to get to that point now where I don't think he plays. And, and that's okay, right? Like, if he doesn't. Like, as long as they're healthy and at full strength, they, they have plenty enough to win a national championship. I mean, they're number five in the country right now without him ever stepping on the floor. Uh, they just beat Kansas by 18. They they have good wins. But as this thing goes along, you're, you're at Alabama Saturday. That doesn't seem like it would be it. I know at South Carolina kind of is that debut game. It's the same place that Jared Vanderbilt finally played uh, about four years ago. And then you got a home game versus Florida. Then you're at Tennessee. Then Alabama at Rupp, LSU at Rupp. I, I don't know. Like, I just don't. Starting to think that you don't see him. I, I don't know what are your thoughts on it. I mean, non-regular season games to go. You're, you're exactly from Saturday. You'll be a month left in the regular season, and that is it. Saturday, February 5th. Saturday, March 5th. That's the last game of the regular season before the SEC tournament. Uh, I don't know. Like, uh, if they're healthy and they have mints coming off the bench and they've got those other three guards, I don't, I don't know if we do see him. Well, I, I and I thought Kyle Tucker did a great job. He talked to Dwayne Washington, who I've had several, several conversations with, and he always gives a bunch of great stuff. But in his most recent conversation, uh, he he almost played the the play devil's advocate with it, where he was like, Okay, so are, are you rooting? You guys have the number five team in the country, you have the number four offense in in college basketball. The number three team overall in the in the updated Ken Palm rankings, uh, the team's averaging 83 points per game or whatever they are. That's top 10 in college basketball. Every advanced offensive, uh, you know, a- analytic and, and, and stat and, and all the advanced numbers, everything is indicating that this team is, is among the best of the best in college basketball. And so things are already going as perfectly as you could possibly ask for for this offense. And he said, so you're telling me that you want to risk the possibility of Shaden coming in the game, dominating for a team that does not need him right now, dominating, scoring 20-ish points, 25 points or whatever, and opening up the door for him to go pro. Because the the one thing that would send it right now, he's not planning on going. If he said the only way that he goes pro is if he comes in and averages 20 points per game and, and clearly proves that he doesn't need the college level at all. That would be the only way that he would come in or that, that he would decide to leave. So he's saying, so you're telling me that for nine games left in the regular season for just very short run, you're wanting to risk him coming in and dominating, being a seventh player that can score 20 points in this offense. This team's already proven that it has six that can do that. You want a seventh guy that can do that uh, and for what amounts to really nothing. I mean, you're the, the team is what it is. It's already an elite team. You want to risk the possibility of him going above and beyond the, those early expectations and leaving after 15 games played as a wildcat, 10 games played, however many he ends up playing, should he ultimately play, risk all of next year and, and what he can be for this team next year. You want to risk all of that stuff for the for throwing him in now for a team that doesn't need it. That's what you're asking. And so I, I read that as 
I think they're starting to understand that this team is already as good as, as it could be. And they're only getting better. Why would you want to mess up something? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Why would you want to mess that part up? So Sean, that was very telling for me. And that's what kind of pushed me over the edge. Like, all right, if he plays, maybe it's the last 30, 40 seconds, couple minutes of a 30 point blowout, but the, he's not going to play any meaningful minutes this year because they understand that there's there's no real push for him to play because they don't need him yet. I would I would much rather keep him next year and use him next year than for a team that de- that doesn't really need him right now. Yeah, and it's one of those things too. I know I said a couple of weeks ago on the show that it, it's a very complicated situation for Cal, and it, it feels like one of those things where you just hope that the right decision's made, but there's one thing that kind of smooths it over, right? Kentucky's winning yeah. and they look good doing it. Mm-hmm. Now the situation's not as big of a deal. Like if he doesn't play and they're good and they go on and do what their, their goals are, then nobody, can, there's, there's not going to be any kind of pushback. So that, that's kind of the, to me, that's kind of the right answer. Kentucky's good without him. Let him do his thing. And then if he's at Kentucky next year, then that's, that's the perfect scenario. Honestly. Yeah, I I am firmly, firmly on uh, who cares territory right now. I am very yeah, much on the it's, weird, yeah. It's it's one of those things where it's kind of getting like exhausting, right? Yeah, but and but and some of that is kind of media fueled. Like I think you you and I would agree with that. That you know we talked about it because obviously it was the thing to talk about. Like the overall con- consensus number one player in roles and and Kentucky has injuries and. They've finished games with uh, with a couple of guards, and he's the guy on the bench. Is he going to play? And, I mean, obviously us writing about it and stuff and the things that we write about, it leads to conversation within the fan base. But now that we're to this point, we've seen this team go on the road and beat Kansas. When they're at full strength, I believe they're one of the four or five best teams in college basketball, and we'll be in the conversation to win a national championship without Shaden Sharp. That it's kind of to the point now that, I mean, do how much more do we talk about it? As I think, as we go throughout the next couple of weeks, if he doesn't play, I don't even think it's a topic anymore. The, the topic then will be is shading at Kentucky a year from now. Yeah, I think that's. I'm right there with you. I, I am firmly in the. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. They, if it would be so much different if Kentucky clearly needed him. If they were. <laughs> Uh, struggling offensively and, and Kellen Grady's shot wasn't falling and Davion Mintz was, was staying cold and Savory Wheeler was, uh, you know, was struggling. Ty Ty Washington was injured. You know, you go down the list. If the circumstances called for, it's one hell of a safety net, Sean, but it, it, that's exactly what it is. It's a safety net. It's not a necessity. He is icing on the, he's not icing on the cake. He is the sprinkle and the candle and the, the this, this team already has the, the cake and the icing and it's delicious and, and nutritious as is adding him would just be a very, very nice added bonus. He is not necessary. And I, I'm not going to pay attention, you know, on Shaden Sharp watch every single game moving forward the rest of the season, uh, especially as this team keeps winning games and steamrolling teams and playing as efficiently offensively as they are. Uh, just go to, I, I just, it, like you said, I think there is an exhausting uh, aspect of it and it is what it is at this point. Yeah. And, and that's where I was coming from that, you know, we've, we've played into that a little bit too, but that, that doesn't take anything away from the whole situation. I mean, he's, he's good enough to, 
to probably make an impact right now. Now, but here, here's how I'll say, here's how I'll say this. Shaden Sharp is more important to next year's Kentucky team than he is to this year's Kentucky team. Absolutely. And I think that's the the overall takeaway. I think it's more important at this point that he is on next year's team because this team is good enough to win the national championship as it's constructed. Now, if they have an injury or something, you know, we don't want to even talk about happens, then the importance of maybe shading to this team goes up. But if it finishes as is and they're healthy, he is much more important to what they do a year from now than what they're doing right now because this team is good enough to win it as is. Yeah, that's the, that's the perfect way to put it because there is that the, the devil's advocate to the devil's advocate that I brought up is uh, so you don't want to one title is more valuable than the possibility of one uh, of two titles. You know, a, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush is kind of that the the alternative to that is, OK, you have a team that could win a title, but why wouldn't you go all in with a t- and, and basically ensure that they will win a title if you put in another tw- guy capable of putting in, you know, scoring 20 plus points. Uh, but. I I'm right there with you, Sean. I think that this team as constructed as laid out right now, the one that we see on the floor every single night right now, that is a team that is capable. And I I think is the favorite right now to win, to win it all. I I don't, I watch college basketball a lot, Sean, and I'm watching the the grand scheme of things, the, the, the landscape of, of it all. And there's not one team out there that makes me go, Oh boy, I we cannot play them. I think there's, I think every team in college basketball we can beat on any given night. And well, with that, I think that's why there's such a push to not play him and ensure that he comes back next season. Because I'm telling you on the flip side, as optimistic as I am at, with this team as constructed right now, if you miss Shaden Sharp next year, I am equally as worried about next year's roster and where that scoring comes from with that group, because they have a lot of great kind of facilitating pieces, a lot of good role pieces, but that team does not have a star as currently constructed without Shaden Sharp. Shaden needs to be the star on that team. And yeah, you could add a, another Kellen Grady or whoever's the best shooting grad transfer, the best, uh, you know, scoring transfer that's out there. But Shaden Sharp is one of one. There is not another Shaden Sharp out there. You need him to be out there next season for next year's team. And I absolutely think I'm at that point where you risk not playing him this year because of how good this team is as as is now, and then use him next year when when the team will desperately need his score. That's where I am currently. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Like I, like I said, I, I just think that it's a scenario that is, if Kentucky's playing as well as they are right now, it's one of the least talked about topics. If this team is struggling, it's the most talked about topic. So they're playing very well right now. Uh, I know they chanted, we want Shaden at Kansas. And I think that's the easy thing to do, especially when you're blowing someone out and, you know, to put him in there for a minute or two, but it's so important that he's on next year's roster and uh, adds that three level score to that team, because this team right now with what they have, and I agree with you, I actually think that they are the favorite to win the whole thing. And, And the reason being is they've shown the ways that they can win games, right? They they've been, they've been without a guy for a game. And you remember the team a couple of years ago that that made the run to the Elite Eight that lost to Auburn. They had to play without P.J. Washington in that second round and first round matchup. Uh, the second round matchup was tough, but they found a way to win. 
as long as this team has time to prepare like they have, I think that they're good enough to win that one game like atmosphere in the NCAA tournament if they're down a guy or down a guard. They've also shown the ability to grind out games at Texas A&M. We all know that if you win a national championship, there's that one game where you don't play your best and you have to grind it out. Every year Kentucky's won a title or made a deep run, you can point to that game. They've shown that they can win different games, and they've also shown that they can blow people out of the gym and blow good teams out of the gym. Uh, I think that they are the favorite. Mm. I like my team, Sean, and and that story today, I, I posted this on Twitter, the story with Davion Mintz today after, you know, we've talked how much we love Oscar Sheboy and how much we love Ty Ty Washington and the granddad side of things, just how damn likable this team is from top to bottom. And today's Davion Mintz story last night, as he was telling the story, Sean, I know that you were coaching and, and, and weren't able to see it live, but as Davion was telling the story live, I almost got like a little choked up. Like, I mean, it was such a, a powerful story where he's talking about, uh, the the depths of everything and how he got to this point and the emotions behind it and and you know kind of how the mental toll that the last year put on him and and how he still not haven't hasn't broken through the way he thought he would and and the the breakthrough that he finally had all that stuff and then that story with the the sixteen year old girl and it was just I mean it was unbelievable and I came to that realization afterward and I think I we've known this for a while but it was just another reason to say this team just has it they have that it factor that national title level level teams have they, they just have it they have the personality they have the connection with the fan base and thank god that we got that after covid last year i mean we they have the connection they have the talent they have the pieces they have the production the coaches are now back you know orlando antigua and chin coleman they're coaching their butts off for, for this team it just it feels like the perfect storm after everything went south last season for this team, it feels like the big reward is going to result in number nine. Like, I mean, it just, it just does. It just feels like that's where we're trending. It feels like th- this team is starting to buy in and man, I'm just so excited to, for this run. I, we, we were talking earlier, I booked the SEC tournament, uh, you, you know, reservations, got the hotel down there, so, uh, applied for credentials. So I'm going to be down in Tampa for that. I'm just so excited for this postseason run. I'm excited for the NCAA tournament. I, I think this team's going to be special. I know that it's special, and I, I do think that that we're going to see a, a pretty phenomenal finish that could result in something uh, quite impressive to close things out, Sean. And uh, yeah. uh, we're going to be along for the ride. Yeah, I'm really hoping that that March run includes about 20 sources say podcast episodes because if it <laughs> does, that means that Kentucky's won the SEC tournament. They've made a deep run. In the NCAA tournament, because that's something that we've not got to do since we started the show, right? Is we've not got to go on the road with them and do the the Thursday through Sunday media stuff at an NCAA tournament location. And then you turn right around and do it the next week. And uh, this is a team that's going to make a run. Like, I don't know. I mean, obviously, all anyone hopes is that you get to that final weekend because all teams that get to that final four, it means you're in the conversation to win it all. Now, some things have to go your way but just get to that final weekend and you're good enough to do it. And I think that this is one of probably six or seven teams in college basketball right now that I think if you just put them in a hat and just kind of pulled out names, you'd probably have a pretty good odds of getting the final four correctly or at least two or three teams. And Kentucky's in that grouping right now. 
Mm. And man, it feels good, doesn't it? Well, uh, let's uh, let's wrap things up and get the heck out of here with one final message from our friends at Prize Picks. The NBA season is well underway, and there isn't a better way to enjoy watching your favorite former Wildcats play than by playing daily fantasy with our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the simplest form of real money daily fantasy sports, and just pits you against the numbers. Whether you're a fantasy sports nut or a casual basketball fan looking to add some excitement to the games, Prize Picks is the perfect game for you. You simply select two to five players and predict if they will go over or under their projection. Prize Picks gives you the chance to win 10 times your money for getting four or five predictions correct. You can have picks across sports as well. The NFL playoffs are well underway, and we are now in the the, the Super Bowl. It's going to be a phenomenal finish. The Cincinnati Bengals versus the Los Angeles Rams is going to be a, a fun uh, fine final performance of the year. So add in some of those players to your picks with their over or under projected receiving, rushing, or passing yards. Download the Prize Picks app or visit prizepicks.com and sign up using promo code PILGRIM. Uh, that's P-I-L-G-R-I-M to get an instant 100% bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. Don't forget that's the Prize Picks app or prizepicks.com using promo code PILGRIM to claim your bonus today and take your viewing of your favorite former Kentucky stars to the next level. Sean, let's uh, get the heck out of here. I, I do want to acknowledge that our January numbers, Sean, we added them up on Zoom together on our last show. We counted every single one of them up. It took like 20 minutes to add it all up. And the numbers are unbelievable, Sean. And I just want to thank our listeners once again. I know we do this a lot, but it's never enough because the numbers are just fantastic. Uh, We counted over, and and Sean, I didn't tell you this because the post uh, Kansas win, we surpassed 75,000 downloads in the month of January alone. So thank you all so much uh, for your continued support. This is just awesome. It's it's so humbling to uh, see the updated numbers every single show and, and get the feedback and the, the DMs that we get, the mentions that we get, that if we're a day late on a show, the people that are have their foot in our butt saying, where's the show? We need the show. We love all of that as well. We really appreciate everything that you guys uh, provide for us. It, it really uh, makes this job a whole lot more fun, and uh, we're, we're grateful for it. So, and Sean, I, uh, I'm sure you feel the same way, and I'm, I'm grateful that you're along for the ride with me. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. And now that my season's over, I go all in on Kentucky, and uh, we'll be doing some more scouting reports and things like that. And uh, look forward to seeing what February and March holds, and uh, hopefully we're talking all the way into April. Absolutely. Well, let's uh, let's get out of here. Uh, where can fans find your work? You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. Find me on Twitter as well at JackPilgrimKSR. Reach out to me via email at JPilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we'll be back next time for another Jam Packed Sources Say podcast. We will see you then. Oh,